On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football news by discussing some OU and OSU updates. In the National College Football Roundup, we break down some of the marquee games of the weekend and look at some college football news. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Monday night football between the Cardinals and Cowboys. To finish up, we talk about an Oklahoman that has a special Halloween skill set in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Oh, man, my Klosti will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, October 19th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make sure you make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. And why is it so dark already? It's already what? here. We haven't even hit uh, daylight savings yet. What is, what is that? November 1st? Is that right? I think that's right this year. Maybe that's right. I haven't looked. I think it's November. I think I read that last week that it's November 1st this year. But I am sitting here recording the podcast, and I am upset because I am watching this Rams 49ers game and it is perfectly light outside in this game, and it has been dark for like three hours here, and it makes me mad, Teddy, and it makes me tired, and I don't like it. I, I'll never forget, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in Detroit, and it gets dark really early there, you know, because you're pretty far north, and, dude, come about this time of the year, Literally do not see the sun because the practice facility is a concrete building. You have an indoor practice field. It's dark whenever you go to work. It's dark whenever you leave work. It's miserable. Feel like a vampire. So that that's funny that you that's funny that you brought it up. I a very similar experience in Detroit. I was there for like the last six games of the season and it was just dark all the time. But actually <laughs> when I was in Buffalo uh, about this time of the year, they would start passing out these lights 
because they were like, we don't want you to get sad. And I was like, sad. And they were like, yeah, seasonal uh, something affective disorder or something like it's like, it literally makes you like, it gives you, it's like you have less energy. Like you're in a bad mood. Like, are those the lights that they were giving guys whenever they're going to London to keep you exactly time on? I mean, so we would have them in the meeting room with us and just like shining straight in our eyes. And it was supposed (laughs) to put you like in a better mood. Like elevate your serotonin. I don't know what I'm talking about, but it was it was a thing. They're like, okay, here's your light. It's starting to get dark at like 3 p.m. Here you go. It was it was the most bizarre thing. Oh well, I'm laughing at that, but I'm kind of sitting here thinking, all right, I need to get one of those. I, dude, I've got this little ring light thing that my mom or my uh, mother-in-law got me because she was like, I heard you're doing YouTube videos. You need better lighting. I was like, oh, okay, yes, ma'am. <laughs> And I just, I, I find myself every once in a while during the day, just coming up here and like staring at it and be like, oh my gosh, I need, I need more light in my life. This is ridiculous. Look into the ring. But I, I think we can both agree. Uh, we're both not watching baseball, right? Still, still no. a baseball list podcast. Yeah. I mean, it, we're, if Gabe, if we start talking baseball, we've ventured into some dark territory. Okay. So yeah, the Braves are up. Two to nothing in the bottom of the second against the Dodgers. I'm not watching it, but I checked the score. Our man Plank probably not doing particularly well currently. Uh, we'll check on him later just to see uh, just to see how things are going. But until then, Ted, uh, what do you think about talking about some college football? Let's do it. Good yeah. weekend of college football. Oh, no doubt. Uh, and let's get to the local college football first, and that is brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Really not a lot when it comes to local college football, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Uh, both teams clearly did not play this weekend. So we got a bunch of time to ourselves, which was great, which I enjoyed very much. And I assume the same for you, Ted. Oh, man, it was fantastic. Uh, watched a lot of football, slept quite a bit. Got some stuff done around the house. It was great. Fantastic. Yeah, so it was a nice little, uh, let's call it a recharge week for us. And same for the Sooners. Uh, talked to a couple of people there on the staff, and they took it a little easier this week. They only practiced three times. The staff felt the players needed some rest after that marathon with the Texas Longhorns uh, gave the players Saturday off. I, I mean, they, they feel like their guys are doing all the right things. They're being responsible off the field. And I, I thought that that was a good sign of, uh, of trust and kind of growth with this team. But it was also a little time for the staff and players to recharge a little bit and get ready for this three-game run, starting with TCU upcoming this weekend so 
I, I like hearing that they gave the guys a little time. I know that we still get a little bit of worried with everything that's going on right now when you hear, oh, well, the guy's got a day or two off. But at this point, you've got to give the players some time. I mean, you're, you're through, what, 40% of your season, and that's just what you have to do. And for the coach's sanity – like those guys need a day or two off. Like we always think about the players. Sometimes you got to think about those coaches. Yeah, you know, I I agree. They've been they've been grinding it out. My only problem with the players, you know, getting a little bit of a break, uh, which I mean, a, a break's not bad, and it all really depends on what those practice days were like. You know, um, when they say we practice three times, does that mean you were in three full padded practice getting it on or was one of them helmets only, you know what I'm saying? As long as those were really productive practices, yeah. I don't have much of a problem with it. My, my biggest issue is conditioning. And we heard, um, I think it was Tyrese Robinson say that, you know, when asked about the fourth quarters that, you know, he's, he felt like he was out of shape and I don't know if that's just him like grabbing for an excuse to answer a question from someone. If they tried to set him up for that, I don't know, but he said it and he said, he's starting to feel like he's getting into better football shape. Right. I, I mean, here we are, as you pointed out, 40% of the way through our season. And I still feel like we don't have a team that's in very good football shape. And if the bye week was used to address that rest, I mean, there's a, there's a balance between rest and work, right? Making sure that you're getting that stuff in, then I don't have much of a problem with it. But if it was too light and we're still not a hundred percent like in football shape, whenever we come out of this thing, that's not good. Yeah. The one thing I'll say, and you and I, I mean, this year is different, but we've been out to practices since Lincoln Riley became the head coach at Oklahoma. And I don't think I've ever been out there and been like, you know what? These guys are really taking it easy. Like they tend to, I, I do like the way that they practice the speed, uh, the purpose they practice with. They get a ton of plays in, in a short amount of time. And uh, I think you get some conditioning that way. They got after it for sure for those, those three practices, but it is weird because I mean, it's, it's hard you, you think you'd be able to get into even better shape during the season. But, Teddy, you know as well as anyone, like when you're worn down, it's hard to get extra sprints after practice. Like it's not something that you want to do. That's why that summer conditioning is so important because that's where you lay that groundwork for training camp, uh, for what everything you do through the fall. And it's, it sounds stupid, but it's just it, it's hard to make that up. It's hard. It is. Um, unfortunately, I never had to do extra sprints after practice because I never had one practice at OU, which we didn't condition afterwards. What? Every single practice, bowl practice. Um, you know what? I don't think we ran after spring practices. That's it. That's the only well, congrats, time man. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Training camp, everything. It, without, without failure, every I, single time. I'll say this. 
you know how they like put all that stuff on the guys that like tracks how far they run during practice practices mm-hmm. has, and I don't want to say for everyone in college football, because I'm sure some schools still do it, you know, the old school way, but ha- have the advancements in sports science, have they ruined conditioning for football players because you do you know what i'm saying because like they try Mm. like hey we don't want you to go x amount of miles we're talking about the exertion and all this stuff it's like well sometimes you got to line their ass on the line after practice and make them miserable (laughs) like i i don't care what the science says guys well i mean it's almost like contradictory to a certain degree because it's like well look at a week ago his max velocity was this speed. And then two weeks later, his max velocity in practice was this speed. So maybe we need to start doing less, get those legs fresher again. And it's like, he's probably going slower because he's not in shape or maybe he sees that he gets a break more whenever you, (laughs) I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's better or worse. It's probably better. Science typically moves us in the, in the proper direction, but, um, I don't know. I'm just, I played football directly in the worst do, time to play it. D- just do it. <laughs> just go with the back in my day. Just do it, man. It's, it's the okay. Worst. I swear everything like training camp in the NFL stopped. I, I was done right before the new collective bargaining agreement where you can't be on the field nearly as much. Same thing, college football, all the new rules came in. I played in the wrong era, man. Dang it. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. I'm it, glad, though. It is, it is weird. And I'll say this. I, I know that there's a ton of science behind it now for all these strength and conditioning coaches across the country. But, you know, about once a week, guys got to feel like they're going to die. I mean, it's just <laughs> how I feel. It's just how I feel. Every once in a while, you got to feel like you're going to die. It it helps you grow as a player. I know that sounds stupid, <laughs> but it's just true. Same thing in the summer, summer workouts, at least a couple Coach, times a week. What was the difference for you guys this year? I think the difference was we had them close to death once a week. That's I think the new they thing were, we're so with. happy to play on Saturdays because several days during the week, they thought they were going to lose their lives. <laughs> you know? No, it sounds stupid, but it's how I feel. Uh, one more piece of OU news. And, Ted, I thought that, you know, you it, it would be cool to kind of hear your perspective on this. But our man Jason Kersey, a friend of the podcast, of course, uh, writes for The Athletic. And he, he's writing a series of articles about the 2000 National Championship team, which, of course, you were a part of. And his article this week was about Josh Heupel and the odd, complicated uh, current relationship between hype and the university. And I just wanted to, like, do you have anything you want to say on that? Because I think a lot of people read that article and they're like, really? That's, I mean, it's, it's that divided. And it's, it's more on hype side. You saw some quotes from Joe Castiglione in there that hype's welcome back anytime. But, you know, he, he was fired back in 2015 and it just it, it seems like time will heal this whole thing but I think some OU fans read it and they're like really that's how that's going right now yeah I mean it the, the whole situation is 
it's really weird. Um, I don't know that there's a, a, like a really a good way out of it, honestly. I mean, I, I get Heupel's side of it, um, you know, to be, to be fired and probably felt like he was singled out um, and, and took the, the brunt of the blame for a bunch of stuff that maybe wasn't, you know, his call or his doing. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, it's, it, it, this is, this is how I really feel about it. You know, some things are, are bad whenever they happen and it's brutal and it's miserable and you're mad at a lot of, you know, people that were kind of on the other side of things, but in the grand scheme of things, he's probably better off now. I mean, it probably worked out better for him now he's at a good school he's a good he's a head coach he's he's worked his way up um now i don't you can't say that that wouldn't have happened at ou but i don't know i think i think that things have gone good for josh um i wish he can get back past it i hope he gets past it and here's the other thing you know i don't i don't fully know that it's something because we've talked about this before on my show and there's always kind of like this, well, he needs to get past it and he needs to stop dwelling on it. And it's like, I don't know necessarily that he's dwelling on it because like we're the ones that are constantly talking about it. I don't know like how often Josh Heupel comes home from work and is like, God damn Oklahoma. I, you know, I, I think he's probably past it too. You know, I think it's just one of those things where it's probably perceived as being worse than it actually is. Yeah, I'm with you on that. This is really just Kersey's fault for bringing it up. Right. Well, hey, you know what? It's it's a what, controversial deal. It's, what, what else would we expect from a guy that's yeah. from Noble? I mean, what else would we expect? That damn but, Kersey and his clickbait articles. I it it was an interesting read though, and of course, uh, you know, Hype was the offense coordinator when I was there, and I just hoped that eventually that all worked out. Like I said, I think some people make it uh, out to be more than it actually is. Have you talked to him about it? I've never talked to him about it. Uh, I mean, I haven't talked to Hype in a long time. Uh, we butted heads quite a bit, which is not surprising. <laughs> Two pretty strong personalities there. But I, you know, I, I still root for him. Like, I was I, I was bummed when I saw Memphis beat them the other night. And that would talk about a hell of a football game. But I, I, I'm still cheering for the guy. And I think that any OU fan that's worth a shit is doing the same because – I mean, that guy's one of the best players that's ever played at Oklahoma and brought that school to national championship. So, yep. I mean. It, we're doing those flashbacks right now, and I'm glad we're doing it. It's been a long time. I, I feel like Heupel, because of some of the numbers our offenses have put up and some of the, you know, the stuff that we're used to now, I feel like – we all kind of look back. I'm including myself in this. Look back and it's like, well, Heupel, you know, was didn't have a very good arm, wasn't very accurate, but man, he he won. wasn't Couldn't move around. He was pretty good, dude. <laughs> Going back and watching his play, he was freaking legit, it, and he ran around way more than anyone wants to give it, him credit for. It's so funny because when you go back and you watch it, you're like, 
that dude was an athlete. Yeah. I mean, was, a lot of people plays forget. outside the pocket, run a little bit of option. Um, I mean, I don't know what the final numbers are, but at this point, I think we've gone through the Texas game. And so what's that five games into the season? He probably has four or five rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Um, he can move around a li- little bit. Don't be fooled. A beautiful deep ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, someone's going to send hype this podcast and be like, dude, they talked about you for a long time. <laughs> um, how, hey, we're just, we're just, this is bridging the gap, baby. We're bridging, bridging the, the gap. gap. Hype. We're here for you, man. Anytime you want to come on, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk UCF Knights football. Hey, I know he saw that article by Kersey. He's sniffing around on the local podcast. See who's talking about it. Who's yeah. not. Come on. Come on, hype. Anytime you want to come on, buddy. You, you, you're welcome here. You know that. Uh, one piece of Oklahoma State news. Big time game for Oklahoma State this weekend coming up against Iowa State. Undoubtedly game of the week in the Big 12 Conference. And how about this? The Oklahoma State Cowboys. It seems like we haven't seen a play in forever. They are up to number six in the AP poll. Number six, Teddy, how's that make you feel? I mean, I... I guess it's good it's for a, the Big Twelve. It really, I was about to say it's a good thing. I don't. I there's no way I've seen enough for them to call them the sixth best team in the country. But completely you know, agree with that. It's not necessarily how it works, and I'm fine with that. It's all going to sort itself out. Um, I think they lose this weekend to Iowa State, but that's just me. And huge game. This is this is about as big of a game outside of Oklahoma being in it in the Big 12 that we've seen in a long time, right? I mean, That's when's the point. last time we've had a game in the Big 12 like this? You have to go back to, like, TCU-Baylor, it seems like. Yeah. And I think Iowa State's up to, like, number 17 or something like that. So that's that's going to be a hell of a football game. Which is crazy because if they don't lose that game to start off the season to Louisiana – and they've got a win over Oklahoma, they'd probably be a, a fringe top five team right now. Maybe would be top five. So yeah. I think Oklahoma State is a little overrated at number six, and I think Iowa State is underrated at, at 17. Now, OU's still not ranked in the AP poll, but you know who is, Teddy? The oh, Coastal oh, oh. Carolina Chanticleers checking in at number 25 that's what happens when you win big games right and they have i mean when you when you think about it they beat the shit out of kansas they've beaten louisiana now they beat arkansas state both those teams beat two of the undefeated teams of the big 12 and kansas state and iowa state and it was annoying as hell hearing all the people go well coastal carolina is the big 12 champions oh shut up Please stop. I get it. It's funny. They wear teal. They're the Chanticleers. I saw someone call them the teal fancy chickens, which was absolutely (laughs) fantastic. But listen, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. That has never been how it works. I get that it gets you retweets and some likes. Congratulations. But Coastal Carolina would not win the Big 12. Stop it. They'd win one game in the Big 12, probably. Kansas. Against Kansas. And nah, they, they, maybe they got, another. They got two edge rushers 
Yeah. And the McCall kid at quarterback, I'm like, I'm looking at some of these guys like, how does OU not have some guys that look like that? They got some bad-looking dudes. But. Yeah, I, I mean, that game that they played in uh, Wednesday night was a lot of fun. That was Wednesday, right? Yeah, right? weird night yeah. for some college football, but that was well, fun. Talk about throwing your schedule off, playing on a Wednesday night in college. How weird is that? <laughs> Just reminds you that Maction isn't going on right now. I, I miss it. you, Maction. I miss you so much. All right, Ted, let's move on to Call Your Shot. And that is brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, Maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. Ted, put the tweet out there uh, asking our listeners for their boldest takeaway from what they saw this weekend in college football. And our favorite comes, and it's not just because of his Twitter handle, our favorite comes from at Dingleberry J, which, <laughs> yes, at Dingleberry J. He says, Big 12 refs don't allow the same physicality as the SEC. I saw 47 PI calls, Bama versus Georgia, if it was Big 12 referees. Your thoughts on Dingleberry J's opinion? That was a physical football game, but I don't know about 47 pass interference uh, calls. OU has gotten an awful lot of soft PI calls this year, though. They have. I mean, I guess I can't say that it's not true, but I also can't say that, yeah, you're right. The Big 12 officials are softer. It should be consistent. The league shouldn't matter. The rule is the rule. Um, I, I guess to me, like if that is true, it probably goes into um, a little bit of the, you know, perception is reality thing. And um, if you're throwing plays up to try and get that or try and create the contact, maybe a little bit, but. I don't know. I mean, is it true? Maybe, maybe not. I, I just, I don't know how you could say or why you would say that it's there. Like, okay, but why? You think officials want to do that in what, the Big 12? I mean, what would be the reasoning? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really great question. I, I will say this, and, and I feel like this is – kind of true whether it's college football or the National Football League, when there's a big game like Bama-Georgia, 
the referees really don't want to have that big of an impact in the game. Like, I know a lot of people think that referees are people that are are self-centered and they want to be part of the show and they want to get on camera and all that. That's really not how it is. They they want to be as noticed or noticed as least as possible in a big-time football game like we saw between Bama and Georgia. And I kind of agree. I never thought I'd say this, but I agree with Dingleberry J because they let some stuff go in that game. And in my opinion, you should, if you're a referee, you should let some stuff go in a big time game like that. You want the consistent. Yeah. As long as that great point, as long as you're let it go in the first quarter and then the fourth quarter, call it. And you have to call it the same for both teams, obviously. But I'm all for referees allowing a little more contact, especially in the back end, in those big games. Because I know the phrase, let the guys play, is so overused. But that's how it should be in those big games. Now, it's probably confusing for the players because you think, what you do in one game should be the same as what you do in another game. It should be called the same way, but that's just not how it works. You have to understand a referee's mentality going into a big-time football game, like a showcase primetime football game like that. They don't want to be the people that are deciding the game because then everyone just criticizes them, and they they, they want to avoid that. So they let the I, – I do think referees – in that type of setting, that type of game, they let things go a little more. I could be wrong. I don't know if there's any like data to back that up. It's just how I've always kind of felt like when we played in big games, you know, when you watch these big games, it it seems like they little let a little more physicality go. I I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, I I I think for sure it is. My, the only thing I ask is is for consistency. And at the end of the day, I mean, Let's not blame the Big 12 officials if, in fact, it's true because they're graded by somebody, right? And I don't know, I don't know if, who exactly is grading them for each conference, but the crews are graded, and, you know, that's got to come from the top. You know, if the Big 12 wants to say, we need to let these guys play, then in the officials, like we got to stop stop calling the ticky tack pass interference stuff. I mean, it's got to come from somewhere. I doubt there's like a big, you know, meeting over the summer at the head guy's backyard. He has all the guys out for a weekend grill, and they say, "Hey, boys, this year, or it's going to be like every year. We're going to call the hell out of the pass interference calls." Okay, guys. Mike I mean, it's gotta- just shirtless <laughs> barbecuing. <laughs> Hell Flipping yeah. burgers. You know what I'm saying? No, it's got to call from, it's got to come from somewhere. Someone has to be saying either let this go, let these guys play, or keep it called tight. It has to come from somewhere. I think, I think I just had a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. I nominate you, Teddy Lehman, to grade the officials of the Big 12 Conference. I feel like you could be an impartial judge of officiating. I, it'd be shocking that everything would be a bad call except for holding. Right? That would be the only thing that, how, that I would say should be called. How many illegal 
linemen downfield penalties <laughs> would you get called in the first couple of weeks with your new role as the grader of officials? Because I think RPOs are your least favorite thing on the planet. That's right. If it were up to me, I would make every network television crew not only have the yellow line for the first down, I'd also have the line on the field where the lineman cannot go before the ball's thrown. (laughs) (laughs) The red line, do not cross. There's some, and I know, but there were some in that LSU game in the Peach Bowl last year where LSU's blocking get him very like seven yards down the field. They're throwing a slant in behind him. And I thought you were going to kill someone. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the game was, it was out of reach at the time, but it's I was like just your, your right guards running a pick route for your wide receiver on the slant. Nice. I remember us talking about it during the commercial break. And I thought you were, I thought you were going to jump out of the booth and strangle somebody. It's ridiculous. Oh, it, RPOs are beautiful. Teddy just accepted. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. To the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A. Dot com. All right, Ted, let's recap some of the marquee games from the weekend. And we have to start, of course, with Georgia going to Tuscaloosa and getting beat by Alabama, Bama 41, Georgia 24. And Nick Saban moves to 22-0 and against former assistants of his. And the game, in my opinion, was closer Then the score ended up. uh, Georgia played really well in the first half, was leading this one at the half. But, Teddy, going into it, we were wondering if Stetson Bennett would be enough. And he just wasn't good enough in my mind, especially in the second half for Georgia to win this football game. And now I, I will say he didn't get a ton of help from his wide receivers. And that was the big difference. For me, as I watch these two teams, you know, I'm looking at Bama, I'm looking at Georgia, and throughout the game, I'm counting first-rounders on the field. I'm just like, that guy's a first-rounder? Oh, that guy may be a day-two guy. That guy's a first-rounder. And it was, it was really cool to see two teams that were that talented go at it. And when I did that, I noticed that I don't think Georgia has very good wide receivers. I mean, they're good. Karis Jackson, George Pickens, like they're they're good players. But when you compare them to what Bama has, which maybe isn't fair, but that was the biggest difference when I was looking at these teams because Georgia does not have the quick strike scoring ability that Bama has. 
Now that has to do with Stetson Bennett. And it also has to do with those wide receivers. Like I know Mac Jones, he's playing at a really high level in the Bama receiver core of Waddle Smith. And now the Mech kid, like it's ridiculous. Like I, I understand that, but Georgia doesn't have those explosive playmaking guys out wide. Uh, that, that was the biggest difference between those two football teams in my mind. And maybe the quarterback has more to do with that. Maybe if they had uh, a guy that could push the ball down the field a little more than Stetson Bennett can at quarterback, maybe, maybe it would be different. Maybe I'm wrong about those guys, but Mac Jones, he certainly is not afraid to push the ball down the field. I expect to see these two teams play again in the SEC championship, but damn, Bama looks good. Yeah. I mean, Bama's got the – they've really got the perfect offense. They've got really good running game, great offensive line. Uh, Leatherwood in there just, you know, beasting people. They can run it between the tackles. You saw a lot of, like, uh, like weak side power O and uh, some good gap scheme stuff. But then the passing game, they run tons of vertical routes – and to cover those vertical routes, you buy up the safeties, you run your corners out of there, and then they'll check it down to Najee Harris. And there's a ton of space there for a small guy to try, and, like a nickel, to try and come up and make a tackle on him. It's just brutal, man. It's tough. And then the, you mix in the play action and RPO stuff with that. It's just it's really efficient offense. You know, as far as Stetson Bennett's concerned, you know, I thought he was good until they got behind. And that's really not his game. I mean, Georgia is a conservative offense and have been for years. Um, you know, whenever they can lean on the run, lean on their defense, have him make just a couple of throws, they're fine. He can do that. But whenever everyone knows he's about to drop back and pass over and over and over, that, that D-line is just flying off the football – uh, guys are sitting on routes on the back side, on the back end. Just makes it that much more difficult. And you're you're dead on about the wide receivers. And, and like I don't who was calling the game? It was Nestler and Gary uh, Daniels. Who I have no. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be as nice as I can here. They need someone else. I don't understand because Nestler's incredible. He's, He's fantastic, great. and Gary Daniels, he. He's past his prime. He's, he's past his prime. doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's awful. It, I, I was trying to be nice. He's awful. If a wide receiver runs a slant and the quarterback hits the guy in both hands with the football, he didn't miss him by two yards and the ball should have been caught. That's why it was intercepted. I mean, you know, he's sitting there throwing Stetson Bennett under the bus and I'm like, that's a good ball. Catch it. If you're getting two mitts on it, you got to pull it in. I mean, that's what one of the interceptions was. It went right through the guy's hands. What else right. is he supposed to do? All right. He's like, well, he missed him by two yards here. I'm like, wait a second. Number one, you don't know how far two yards is. You're telling me he missed him by six feet? It hit him in the hands. How did he <laughs> miss him by six feet? I mean, I was just. Uh, I was frustrated. I, I will say. Uh, but that's not the game for Stetson Bennett to be down, you know, having to make up some points and, and try and catch up with the other offense. That's 
he's not going to be that type of quarterback for him. He's capable. He's good enough to make some throws. He's accurate. He's uh, athletic enough to get outside of the pocket. But in a shootout against a team like Bama, I mean, let's be honest. He's he's not that type of quarterback. I just realized. I think I called Gary Danielson Gary Daniels, which I I think shows how much I care about him as an analyst. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it shows how much I care about that. I didn't notice. I, I will say uh, I will say this, and it is just an observation, but Stetson Bennett kind of looks like if Timothy Chalamet decided that football would have been his thing instead of acting. If you don't know who that is, Teddy, <laughs> don't worry about it. But if you Google Timothy Chalamet, it. I I don't know if it's that close, but there were some moments where – our boy Stetson was animated on the sideline during the game. And I was like, he kind of looks like Timothy Chalamet in an intense scene in a movie, you know, maybe if he bulked up, gained some weight, drank some more protein shakes. I don't know why I thought of it during the, I I was drinking as I was watching the game. I was like, huh? I, I don't know if I'm the first person to make that joke. I don't even know if it's accurate. If they look anything alike. Timothy shall, is it shallow way? Chalamet. Chalamet. I believe it's C-H-A-L-A-M-E-T. Chalamet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Timothy spelled all crazy. <laughs> what, what do you think? Am I crazy or do, am I onto something? No, you're onto something. It's hard for me because he's got... It, he was in Lady Bird, which was really good. He was hair. in Little Women. But yes, I could see it. <laughs> he was in that Netflix movie where he was a king or something like Timothy Chalamet. I don't know if he looks that much like Stetson Bennett, but I kept thinking about it while I was watching the game. I felt like a moron. I was like, I swear they kind of look alike. I don't know if they do or not. Someone tell me if I'm an idiot or not. It's Um, funny. Okay, so (laughs) it's pretty good, right? I didn't. Yes. I don't know know how you you came into that one, but yes, I I I literally was watching the game on my couch, and I was like, "Does he look like?" I was like, "That motherfucker kind of looks like Timothy Chalamet." You know, when he's all animated and stuff? I don't, I don't know. But, okay, so we saw, we saw what Bama is, right, in that second half. First, forced turnovers, just running game, huge explosive plays in the passing game with Mac Jones, who is, I mean, let's call it how we see it. Looks like a first-round quarterback. I mean, that's how the kid is playing. But – we saw Clemson absolutely destroy Georgia Tech, Whew. right? What was it, seventy-three to seven yeah. or something? Just something disrespectful and frankly, five first rude. half uh, touchdowns for Lawrence. Yeah, frankly, just a, a little mean, Dabo. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. But now we haven't seen Ohio State yet. But in the AP poll, I think Clemson received fifty-four of the sixty-two first-place votes. Uh, so at this point in the season. With who we've seen, do you like Bama or Clemson right now? Because like I, I think I like Clemson because of Trevor Lawrence. But then, I mean, Amari Rogers is good. Travis Etienne's good. But I don't see anybody holding Bama under – as they keep getting better in the season, like is anybody going to hold them under 40? I – no, no. That's what I, like I not I think, with those wide receivers in the running game that they've got to go with it. No, 
with the inexperience, and don't get me wrong, they're extremely talented. With Are they Venables. still the number one scoring offense, or did Clemson take over with how many they put up? Because Alabama was the number one offense going into the weekend, right? So, I don't know. But, I mean, I, I think both teams are, like, so well-rounded offensively. I think – do you think Bama has a better offensive line than Clemson? I – that's a really I good – I would say a yes. Player. I, think, I know they know, have that – yeah, you know, the Leatherwood kid is obviously as a group, elite. I'd ha- I, I won't lie to you. I'd have to dive into the tape a little yeah. more to kind of evaluate. And, like, I have – I would have the Georgia game for reference for the Bama line, right? I mean, what game do I have for right. Clemson? That's, that's also one of those things. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun debate, though. I would probably take Alabama, man. I, I'm leaning that way, too, and it feels stupid because Trevor Lawrence looks – I mean, he looks like the, the best college football quarterback we've seen in a decade. I know a lot of people are saying Andrew Luck, but I remember watching Andrew Luck at Stanford. He wasn't doing the stuff that Trevor Lawrence is doing. I mean, let's be real. He was in a Jim Harbaugh offense where it was like uh, power, lead, lead, power. Let's put nine O-linemen on the field. (laughs) Right, and then he probably threw it like 10 or 12 times a game. Trevor Lawrence had some throws against Georgia Tech where I was just like, my, that game was like a car crash. I just couldn't stop watching it. Like it was just, it was brutal. I was like, oh, make it stop. It's already dead. And he was just, meow. I was like, oh my God, look at this dude go. And he's using his legs. I, yeah, I, I lean towards Bama, but it's only because Clemson's a little young on defense. But I don't know. We've seen the Bama defense get shredded. By Ole True. Miss, so I maybe I think it's Clemson. I'm I'm going to stick with Clemson. I've been saying Clemson looks like the best team in the country. I'm going to stick with them. But damn, that second, I I think Bama. That we saw the true Alabama in that second half, and that is a dangerous football team. Those those wide that group of wide receivers is is insane. So. They, you could take those three wide receivers and plant them on any NFL team, and they'd be the three starters probably, or could be the three starters. And, and the interesting thing about a wide receiver core, and I can't remember who said this, but a, a wide receiver core, you want to build it like a basketball team. And I know that people are going, what? But you want guys to have different skill sets to have different body types. You don't want all the guys to look the same and be good at the same things. So when you look at Bama, you look at Jalen Waddle, who is your, basically your do-everything guy. Catch the ball underneath, make guys myths, go score. You hand the ball on jet sweeps. You do like the, the Tyreek Hill type of guy. Like he can run by guys. There's no what, what that one he had was what was it, like 90 yards or whatever it was. But he can do that. He can catch it underneath. He can make guys miss. He's a special teams weapon as well. You, have, you, you want that guy. And then you have Devontae Smith, who seems kind of like the most polished receiver in college football right now when it comes to route running, precision route runner. Can definitely take the top off still. Great speed. 
but is a great route runner, can extend drives by running good routes, catching balls for first downs, you know, can run every route in the route tree, look smooth doing it. And then you've got Mechie, who clearly he's getting some favorable matchups because the other two guys, but can absolutely run by guys. I mean, just say, mm-hmm. hey, run as fast as you can vertical and run by this dude. Because they're going to be looking at the other two. So, like, you build it, you build that wide receiver core with that, that versatility and those guys, and it's just impossible to stop. Because if yeah. you take one thing away, there's – I mean, this Mechie guy, he's going he's gonna to put up huge numbers this year because what are teams supposed to do with Waddle and Smith? Like, there's, there's not a good option. Oh, and then Najee Harris is the running back. So, if you right. play too high – they're just going to hand them the damn ball and run for six yards, Gary. That's the thing. I mean, that's why I think they're so efficient is because of that running game. It's, it's so good. There's some good gap scheme stuff in there, and they can throw the RPO off of it. And they also get Najee Harris out, and, out into the, the flats and into the route schemes a little bit too, which he's fairly dangerous. So, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Both of those teams, if you play them ten times, it's probably five and five, you know. That'd be awesome to watch those two teams play each other 10 times. Sign me up for that. Well, I think if the playoff keeps going the way it is, at some point that's just going to be what college football is, a 10-week Clemson versus Alabama series. <laughs> I, I may be in the minority here, but I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> who you got it. this week? <laughs> um, okay, so let's move on to another game, Ted. Man, we stuck on that Bama-Georgia game longer than I thought we would. But you know what? That was a hell of a game. The number five, North Carolina Tar Heels, will no longer be in the top five because they fall to Florida State 31-28 in Tallahassee. We all knew that North Carolina wasn't actually a top five football team, but with this being a unique year, that's where they were. And they had earned that ranking up to this point, but – I think even that team probably knew that they weren't a top five football team and they fell into a huge hole against Florida state. They were down 31 to seven at the half and they just couldn't quite make it all the way back. And we had seen some signs of life from Florida state last week in his performance against Notre Dame, but Mike Norvell, you get, you got to give the guy credit. It's yeah. been kind of a weird off season for him uh, had been, Diagnosed with COVID, uh, had to miss that Miami game where they got their absolute asses handed to them by their in-state rival, and this was a big-time win for him. It felt huge for the program. Jordan Travis, he he did some really good things, especially in that first half. He was fun to watch. I mean, just using his athleticism, running around, making throws, and it got close. Yeah, in that second half, but Sam Howe and the Tar Heels—they just—they came up a few plays short there at the end. And I'm—I'm I'm not worried about Mac Brown, and I think we all agree that he's building something there in Chapel Hill. But it was kind of funny that they got in the top five and then they lost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the big takeaway here, a couple of things, is. You touched on it, Norvell and Florida State to keep fighting. Um, this year, more so than any other year, 
is a year where you would not be shocked if you saw players say, you know what, screw it, I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm playing for myself at this point. But they, they've hung in there. They've gotten a little bit better, a little bit better week by week. And uh, then they get this win over North Carolina. They come out, look fantastic early on. And the other side of it is North Carolina, nobody, and I mean nobody, considered them the fifth best team in the country, right? Nobody did. But I think it's like a, a good opportunity to learn a little bit because North, North Carolina, whenever you've got a number five next to you coming in to play in a football game, it doesn't matter. And OU gets this every week of the year in the Big 12 and every week of the year anyways. Whenever you have either a top five number next to you or you're a program that's a blue blood, you're going to get everyone's best effort. You don't sneak up on anybody. Even a team that's left for dead like Florida State is going to show up ready to play their asses off whenever you come into town because they want to win over a top five team. So that's a learning experience for North Carolina that just because you got the number five on next to your name when you walk into a stadium doesn't mean anyone's going to lay down for you. It actually means the opposite. They're going to fight you tooth and nail. doesn't matter what their record is. It's the one thing that can save their season. Yeah. That was, that was a really impressive first half by Florida State, and they held on for dear life in the back <laughs> half did. of that fourth they, quarter. I was like, oh, my gosh. I kept They're, looking back like, okay. I was like, okay. I was like those, guys are, those guys' butts are puckered up so hard right now. But it, I, you got to give them credit. They, they made the plays defensively late in that game that they needed to make, and that felt big. That felt huge for Mike Norvell. And we talk about it all the time, Teddy, like the teams that need to be good for college football. I feel like Florida State's one of those teams. Yeah. Like uh, They need to be good. Miami needs to be good. They had a nice win over Pitt this weekend. But if those two teams are good, uh, that makes the ACC so much more competitive, so much more fun to watch. It's just good for college football. So we'll see with what North Carolina's building there with Mac Brown, with, you know, things – seeming to get figured out a little bit there in Tallahassee with Mike Norvell. Like that's good. That's good for college football. So we'll see if they can keep, we'll see if they can build on that win and we'll see how Mac and the Tar Heels bounce back. Now we did get a good Friday nighter between BYU and Houston. And I just wanted to bring this up because I thought it was obvious BYU pulled away late in this football game. And I think it had a lot to do with it being their fifth game and it only being Houston's second, but it was an extremely entertaining football game. But this is what I wanted to talk about. So right now there's some obvious Heisman front runners, right? You got Trevor Lawrence, you got what, one of the four, five guys at the, on the Bama offense. I'm not sure which one you pick out of Mac Jones, uh, yeah, Najee they're Harris. they all chew each other's um, votes up. Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. I pick one, I suppose. Travis Etienne also <laughs> for Clemson. So you got those front runners, right, that are, that are obvious. But, dude, it's, it's about time for us to start working Zach Wilson into that conversation. 
because and they were overdoing it a little bit on the call. I I understand that. Like they were just they were all over the guy, and they should be. He's he's fantastic, but at some point I wanted to be like, guys, just just dial it back a little bit on the Zach Wilson praise. But he's making a name for himself, Ted, and that dude is about as fun to watch as any quarterback in all of college football. And all of a sudden, you look at BYU, they're undefeated, and coming off a nice win against Houston, and he, he deserves to be. And, and I know it's way too early. I mean, there's a lot of football to be played, but he deserves to be in that Heisman conversation right now. He's, he's playing really, really good football. He, I mean, he really does. And I'm going to give you some numbers here. Uh, Zach Wilson, 78.7 completion percentage he's got 12 touchdowns to just one interception 1641 yards quarterback rating at 207.7 trevor lawrence 73 percent completion percentage five percentage points less 1544 yards passing 100 yards less 15 touchdowns three more same number one interception his quarterback rating 192.7 Zach Wilson's was 207.7. So, like, <laughs> and then you factor in Those what Zach Wilson tight, does. Man. You factor in what Zach Wilson does with his legs. And yeah. now Trevor Lawrence, he, he clearly an athletic guy, does does some good things with his legs as well. But it it started. I I heard someone call him the Mormon Manzel, which was pretty. <laughs> I was I was like, that's pretty damn good. But he dude, he's fun <laughs> to watch, man. And yeah, he is. They're talking about hey, his his wide receivers are all his roommates and stuff like that. It was uh, BYU. They're I, I enjoy watching them play. Now I don't think they're an elite team, but Zach Wilson that that dude is making himself some money with the way yeah. that he is playing right now. So it's just just something to think about. Now a uh, couple other games: Kentucky beat Tennessee's ass. That's I suppose that's what happens when you turn the football over, especially when you turn it over and let the other team score. (laughs) Uh, Arkansas beat Ole Miss. Sam Pittman, uh, we tried to tell you, he has the people in Fayetteville excited, Teddy. He's got the hogs believing. It's just a different-looking football team. It's crazy. I don't know how good they actually are. I don't know how good they're going to be. I don't know how many games they're going to win this year, but it's a totally different football team. Their game, week in, week out, doesn't matter who they're playing, you better be ready to play because Arkansas is going to show up. And we haven't said that about Arkansas football in years. So I love what he's doing. And, you know, dare I say the best is yet to come because I've been told that he is a heck of a recruiter. And it's hard to recruit whenever you haven't been able to do anything, but Whenever you start to show up and win some football games and play a bunch of people tight, they were real tight in that that Auburn game, then, hey, you're going to be able to recruit off that way better than you were before. So, I'm hey, I'm, I'm down. I'm sold. I like him. He's, he's good for that program. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the clip of him in the locker room after the game. They did the 
So he picked chant and then he was like, he was like, turn that jukebox on or something. Like it was, it was such like an old white man thing to say, but it was, it was awesome. And jukebox. I haven't heard that term in years. That's great. It was great. But yeah, I, I can't wait to see where Arkansas is at here in the next couple of years. It's going to be interesting now. Just what the SEC West needs another solid football team. Yeah, of course. That division is not competitive competitive enough already um speaking of the sec west auburn ooh, that offense has issues yeah onyx i i don't know if it's a better if there's a better way to say it other than he's not very good i i i just don't think he's very good i really don't and they go on the road and they lose to south carolina and everyone's mad at all, all the Auburn fans want Bo Nix bench. They want Gus Miles on fire. Like it's, did it's not I good in Auburn, Alabama right now? Did I see that that's the first time South Carolina's beat Auburn since 1993? I don't know if that's right, but we're going with it. <laughs> I think that's what I saw. The first time they've beat him since 1993, something crazy like that. So that's huh. horrible. Yeah, that's that is horrible. Now the SEC, it's like if you're not in the division, you only play each other. What is it like once every seven years? Something crazy, something absurd like that. So I, I guess that that wouldn't be that crazy. But yeah, man, it's it's getting it's getting a little interesting in Auburn right now. And one other game, Notre Dame. That was uh, was a very weird performance by the number four team in the country. Uh, Notre Dame played Louisville in what could probably best be described as a baseball game because the final score was 12-7. It was just – it was really weird. Uh, speaking of guys I don't think are very good, Ian Book is one of them, but I guess they're ranked that high. I, where else do you rank the Irish right now? I think, I think when the time comes, they play Clemson, which that's got to be pretty soon. Right, and I think, I think that that is—is is it middle November? Yeah, it's not too far away. I that is going to be a humbling experience for the Irish. I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's so hard for me with Notre Dame. I feel like they're a good team. I feel like they're uh, they're capable, but their offense just isn't. Just doesn't click, you know. They just don't move the ball a whole lot. They don't, they don't score many points. They've scored uh, what eighty-one points or something like that so far in, in the ACC play. It, it's November seventh is whenever they play. Ooh, Clemson. soon. So I like that. They've got Syracuse and Boston College uh, before that, but yeah, it's coming up quick. So yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't know what to think about Notre Dame. I mean, They're a confusing football team. I watched a lot of that game, and I was just like, guys, this Louisville team is not good. Like, that has been established that yeah. this is not a good football team, and they just they couldn't get anything going offensively. It's just a, it was a really weird – it was a weird game. So, I'm with you. I don't, I don't know how to feel about Notre Dame. I, I know they've got pretty talented players, but I, I just don't know. Well – I guess I'll judge Notre Dame by how they play against Clemson. I think that's yeah. fair. So we'll see. 
But uh, um, by the way, uh, I was a little bit off. Um, that was South Carolina's first win over Auburn since 1933. Excuse me, what? 1933. Yeah, they won their first game against Auburn in 1933, their second game in 2020. Okay, without Googling it, who was the president in 1933? Okay. Right? Dang, you're good. Isn't that right? I think that's right. I think well, he became now hang president. Hang on a second. Now there was 33. I got to do some quick math. Yeah, so FDR became president in 33. So technically, right, there were two presidents in 33, right? Is that right? That's right. Yes, that's well, right. That is 100% right, and I know who the other one is. I'm pretty sure. Are you a president's, like, trivia guy? I mean, I could probably make my way around it, and it's the one uh, – was it Hoover before him? My God, you're good. You know the only reason I know that? You're, you're going to laugh at this. The only reason I know that is because in the movie um, – What's his name? Gladiator. The guy that played Gladiator. Um, Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe. Whenever he's, he's the boxer. Oh, God. Don't. Gosh, too many hits to the head for both of us. What was the damn movie called? No one tell us, even though we're the only two on this thing. No one tell us. Uh, uh, Cinderella Man. Is that Cinderella right? Cinderella Man. Yes. yes. Okay, so I still got it. I haven't lost in, it yet. In Cinderella Man, um, his buddy gets killed, right? Remember, it was like the um, in New York they had set up these like kind of homeless camps, and I remember that they were called they called them like Hooverville, right? And they were you remember them. very random things <laughs> from that movie. Holy well, shit! I just remember learning about that and then seeing it in the movie, and that's how I kind of put it together. Well, there you go. And that is your look <laughs> right. into the mind of Teddy Lehman. That's how he gets there. That, that's, that's connecting the dots. That is so Michael Scott from The Office for you, connecting the dots. Like, how do I remember this? people's names? Okay, a uh, few pieces of college football news before we move on to the segments uh dan mullen he's got the rona he's got yeah. the rona so <laughs> i guess that that pack the swap comment uh has not aged well and I, i'm sure you that said this about coronavirus man um it is not without a sense of humor right because touche you <laughs> as soon as you say something it's like on you oh you think that's funny huh well watch this Gotcha, Dan Mullen. Um, More Rona news. Purdue's head coach, Jeff Brom, has tested positive. Uh, They're working to confirm that with the PCR test. But just a reminder, the Big Ten starts this week. They've got Iowa. So not exactly uh, ideal for the Boilermakers there with their head coach testing positive. And then a good piece of news for the Big 12. Baylor is back practicing, and it seems like everything is on track for them to play Texas this weekend on the 24th. So that's good. Baylor has had 
some terrible luck. I mean, Dave Aranda, it has not been smooth sailing since no. he took that job. Holy hell, man. I just it's, it's like they, they can't even play games. So we'll see. I'm hoping that game happens and wouldn't be surprised if Texas lost. Really wouldn't. We'll see. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. And let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you'll get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Uh, my winner is Drew Locke with the, uh, the Denver Broncos. Now, um, you're probably thinking, well, how in the world would you have a guy that threw two interceptions in – like the last three minutes whenever you've got a two-touchdown lead over the Patriots beer winner. Well, that's exactly it. On the road, nursing a small lead to throw two interceptions in the final couple of minutes of the football game and still get out of there with a win. I just knew that the Patriots were going to go down, score a touchdown, and win the thing 19-18. But somehow, Drew Locke is the winner of the week for being able to get out of that mess with the W unbelievable. It, I, I was thinking the exact same thing as you, like they were showing it on the red zone channel. And I was like, Oh, huh, Patriots are going to win. Oh, that was a weird game, but yeah, all's right in the world. Patriots are going to beat the Broncos like drew Locke. Hey, he's just back from the shoulder injury makes a mistake, but it just, it didn't happen. And it was weird because it didn't like it, we're right. so I, used like, to it happening. Right. I was like, well, that game's over. No reason to even watch it. They're, the only reason I was watching is for fantasy. They're going to go down, win it, uh, you know, pretty impressive, but, you know, horrible for Drew Locke. But somehow they got a stop on fourth down that they had to have. Uh, but I was like, why are they throwing it with him right now, number one? But which – did you see the Bears-Panthers game? Oh yeah. What are the what are the Bears doing? I know they end up winning that game, but just run the football. <laughs> it's unbelievable to me what some of these teams are doing. But uh, all that to say, Drew Locke is the winner of the week for getting that win. Now, just because you mentioned that game, Patriots mm -hmm. five games into the season. Right now, they are under 500 for the first time five games into the season since 2002. Mm -hmm. That is an unbelievable stat. With all the parity you see in the NFL, that is a truly unbelievable stat for the New England Patriots. That this is the first time they've gone two and three since 2002 <laughs> it's nuts it's, it's unreal nuts. and it took not being able to practice and not knowing if they were going to play and leaving their facility 
to be able to do it. Now that, yes, is that excuse making by me? 100% it is, but I still feel like they are going to be in the AFC championship game, Gabe. I still feel that way. I like what I see. Cam Newton, first time back playing in a long time, hasn't been able to practice. He was rusty. Come on. Yeah, he just he just got off the Rona, man. We've seen a lot of people. Not easy to kick that thing. So we'll we'll see. Uh, who do you have as your loser of the weekend, Ted? Well, I thought about going with the person that broke the uh, news to Nick Saban that he had tested positive for coronavirus. Um, can you imagine what that had to be like? I, I Can you imagine psychotic. the person that had to break the news to Nick Saban that it was a false positive? Oh my God. Wait, that's what, that, that's what happened, right? I mean, yeah. that's the only, that's the only logical thing. Can you imagine, I, I guess, can you imagine being, the person that tested him, that told him he was positive, and then said, then had to tell him they made a mistake. <laughs> It'd be like Kirby Smart yelling at his players, making the mask fall off. Do you see that clip? Oh my gosh, that was fantastic! <laughs> I bet you that's what Saban was saying to the people. But I, he did say he handled that really well after the game. I'll say that. I didn't was, say any of that, but I, you know. I saw him freak out on that one intentional grounding call and go accost the referee. And I remember thinking that referee, because I think his mask had fallen down around the bottom of his face too as he was flipping out, like when he ripped his uh, headset off. I remember thinking that ref is probably like, I'm very unsure about this situation with you yelling and screaming and spitting on me right now. Please stop spitting on me, Nick. Please. uh, But that I ended up going with, Clayton Kershaw, and I know this, I'm I'm not going to take this into baseball territory, but I just think it's fascinating that a guy who is, by all accounts, without a doubt, a Hall of Famer, in most people's opinion, um, maybe not this moment, but at times in his career has been far and away the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. And all he is known for is that he cannot get it done in postseason. That's it. That's what he's known for. Kershaw is known for not winning in the postseason. That sucks, dude. That there, sucks. Th- this conversation was taking place on a, uh, on a lot of different shows, and we talked about it on my serious show. But, like, is there even another athlete to kind of compare him to? Like, because he's a first ballot Hall of Fame guy. He's been, I, I guess, right? Just couldn't get it done in the playoffs. I, yeah. Maybe if Giannis goes a, a couple more seasons with, you know, some early playoff exits, he starts being in that conversation. A lot, a lot of people brought up James Harden, right? Just excellent regular season, uh, kind of a guy that gets known, that is known I mean, to not play well in the playoffs. Or Barkley's probably in, the best one, right? as well-known as he is and yeah, thought of Bar- to be one of the best at his position. But was Barkley ever on a team that was as dominant? No, Did he ever have the guy around, the guys around him like Kershaw has, has had with the Dodgers? Like, they've been no. the favorite, I mean, year after year after year now. That's, that's the thing where it's like, I just don't know if there's a good sports comparison. 
for him. Yeah. And, and like you're saying, it's weird, man. It's just weird. I think it – I mean, it has to creep in. Instead of going out there and just focusing on what you do and your skill set and just making your pitches, hitting your spots, it has to creep in that, oh, my God, I've got to win this. I've got to win this. I've got to win this. And you just panic and – you know, I'm not a baseball guy. I don't know what his stuff looks like, you know, in the regular season compared to his postseason losses. But at the end of the day, everyone's hitting it. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I hate that for the guy. Yeah. He, he seems like at all indicators he's a great dude, too. Uh, I mean, it seems like – or that from what I've gathered from some people that know him. Maybe that's like he's his a, problem. He's too damn nice. Too damn nice. He's not – he doesn't have that killer mentality. Maybe you should kill something. What? <laughs> Calm down. Um, baseball update. The Braves are up 3-2 to two on the Dodgers. Top of the fifth. Wow. Top of the fifth. So, that's us talking baseball. How about that? My winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone. And my internet has been flawless for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area. Call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. So, Teddy, for my winner of the weekend, I, I thought about going with the Titans, but their win was against the Texans, so I didn't want to give them too much credit, even though Derrick Henry is absolutely ridiculous. He's a joke human being, but also shout-out to my boy Taylor Juan, uh, tore his ACL in that game. And that's, uh, that's not ideal when you're, uh, you're all pro, your pro bowl left tackle tears, tears his knee up, but my boy, Lawan, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll bounce back. He'll be better than ever. But, uh, my winner of the weekend, it's gotta be the Pittsburgh Steelers because that was about, and I, I, I watched every snap of that game till I couldn't watch it anymore. That was about as thorough of an ass-kicking as you will see in the National Football League. That was a beat down. And Baker, uh, Baker Mayfield made some really bad mistakes, but they also couldn't protect him. So it was like... When, Those when usually go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah, w- but I will give Mika Fitzpatrick that, that was just a hell of a play on the first, a little robber concept for Mika there in the first throw for Baker for the pick six. And it's like, ah, well, that guy's pretty good. Like, that's, that's just a really, really good play. Um, but, man, that was an absolute beatdown that the Cleveland Browns received via the hands of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That defense for Pittsburgh is legit. They, I mean, Teddy, they were hitting Baker so much that Stefanski was watching and was like, you know what? I think I've seen enough of him getting hit. I'm going to take him out. Everyone was like, is Case Keenum replacing Baker? Is Baker benched? And literally Stefanski after the game was like, no, I'm t- I was tired of seeing him get hit. I took him out of the game. We need him moving right. forward. Like I was like, holy shit. 
I mean, you just don't hear that normally yeah. in the National Football League. And uh, that, that was kind of wild because Pittsburgh got up 14 nothing, and that game was over. The Browns, with the way that they want to play, they are not a team that is built to play from behind. Now, they got playmakers, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. the way they want to build things offensively, like it, it's all about that run game and controlling the clock and playing you know, with a lead and you know, dictating things to the defense, and they, they just couldn't do any of that once they were in that 14-0 hole. And the Steelers, they, you, you've been saying it for a while, but they look like a legit contender there in the AFC. Big Ben playing efficient football in the past game. That run game with Connor's working. And apparently Claypool is the best player in the NFL now. I guess we just have yeah, to where'd accept that come it. From? Like, is that it, what everyone had to start the season off? He's just – he's fantastic. I mean, they're, they're handing the ball on jet sweeps now, Teddy. Like, it's – this kid is – Just he's snap fun it to, to watch. him. They just may, snap it to the guy. They may. Um, you never know. That was I'm, impressive, though. It was. I, I'm just – I'm looking forward to watching the Patriots-Steelers AFC Championship game. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, I, now <sighs> – I am, am in no way making a comparison between the two quarterbacks. I'm just making a comparison between the two football teams, okay? Cleveland reminds me of Georgia. They've got a, a really good defense. Now, Cleveland's defense is not as elite as Georgia's, but they want to stay conservative offensively and win the thing with their running game and their defense. Works fine until they get behind in a football game to another team that's that's really good. They just they're not built to come from behind. They if you keep it conservative, they'll be fine. But if you start trying to get into a shootout, mistakes are going to happen, and interceptions are going to come. You heard it here first. Stetson <laughs> Bennett will win the Heisman Trophy and be the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Congratulations, Stetson, Timothy, Chalamet, Bennett. Congratulations, it, sir. The fourth. Is it Sorry. Stetson, Mayfield, or Baker Bennett? Which Baker which Bennett sounds kind of good. <laughs> Baker Bennett. Baker Bennett, the fourth. Uh, all right, my loser of the weekend. Now, thought about going with the Patriots, but nah. Oh, uh, wow. It's got to be the Jets. I mean, it's it's got to be the New York Jets because, well, it it seems like it it just seems like that franchise has no direction right now. They lose twenty four to nothing to the Miami Dolphins. So if you're keeping score at home, now uh, somehow Adam Gaze still has his job. I I'm not sure how. But he is going to be fired. He may be fired by the time you're listening to this. I mean, that's possible. But they'll probably be wait. fired by the time we're done recording this. Yeah, they'll probably wait until their bye week. That's, that's usually what teams do. But they're my loser of the weekend. And not because they're a bad organization. And not because they got their asses whooped by the Dolphins. But because the Falcons beat the Vikings. The Giants beat the Washington football team, which means the New York Jets are the only team 
now in the National Football League that do not have a win. They are the only winless team left, and that, Teddy, you were part of a couple of bad teams. Mm -hmm. I was part of a Cleveland team that didn't get its first win until Christmas Eve. Wow. And there is nothing worse than being on a team that is that bad and has not won a game. It makes work. Because you got to remember, this is their job. Like, you go to work, and you want to be excited about going to work. And when you aren't winning and you still haven't won, it is miserable. It's awful. The energy in the building is awful. And I don't see this getting better for the Jets anytime soon. So... I don't know if they start tanking for Trevor right now. I was about to say, I was like, why do you have him as the loser? It sounds like they're the winner, baby. Trevor Lawrence. I I don't think quarterback's really the problem there. I think Darnold, uh, now he's, you know, he is what he is, but they're my loser of the weekend. I mean, I don't care if it's Trevor Lawrence. You're not going to go in there. Um, They they need to. It's brutal, man. I know the overwhelming thought if they are the worst team and end up not winning, whatever, the overwhelming thought is going to be to go get Trevor Lawrence. But, dude, I'm just – they need to trade back, acquire a ton of picks, and start building up the talent everywhere else on that team. If they just go out and get another quarterback, they're going to do nothing but get him killed too. Please don't ruin Trevor Lawrence. He may pull like an Eli Manning and just be like, no. No. I, you know, how about I don't, <laughs> you know, I just, how about I don't, I, we'll I'm see, just going to stay here in Clemson. I'll actually just play another year in Clemson. The, the New York jets are the loser of the weekend because they are the only winless team in the national football league. Mm. And that is a lonely, miserable place to be. All right, Ted, let's move on and let's wet the beak. And What the Beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Monday Night Football got a Monday night football double header with the Chiefs traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills and the Cardinals coming to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. So it, it's going to be a little bizarre that there's going to be Monday night football starting at 4 p.m. <laughs> local time, like Central It'll time. be dark though, right? <laughs> yeah, it may be dark. Damn stupid. Oh, I hate it. But that, that'll be weird. But I thought the Arizona – uh, and Dallas matchup had a little more local flavor. So let's let wet the beak with that one. 
Ted, and Arizona is a one-point favorite traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Kyler, Moore, Kyler Murray with a homecoming football game. It has been well-documented that he's had a lot of success in this stadium uh, in high school, obviously in college at Oklahoma, and you know he's going to want to play well in front of what I assume will be a lot of family and friends in that stadium to watch him play. I'm also I'm, I'm really curious to see what Dallas looks like offensively with Andy Dalton under center. You would assume, and, and we saw some good things from him, right, when he came in once Dak suffered that horrible injury, but you would assume that Kellen Moore is going to get Zeke Elliott more involved. They're going to lean on the running game a little more, but I just, we don't really know. I, I suppose we're not going to know until we see what they look like in this football game. Uh, we can assume all we want, but I, I think they trust Andy Dalton to throw it around, and uh, I just don't trust that Dallas defense. Uh, it sounds like Leighton Vander Esch is coming back for this game, but he doesn't play in the secondary. I mean, he can't fix their problems back there and with the connection we've seen that Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins have uh, I I would not be surprised for Hopkins to have a big day in this one but really all I hope for is that Kyler accounts for a bunch of touchdowns CeeDee Lamb scores a couple touchdowns maybe my man the belldozer We'll get a couple as well. That would be or at least one. You know, catch one in the flat. Truck stick someone for a touchdown. That'd be nice. But I'm excited for this football game. And I know that it's it, it's got kind of a weird energy around it with the whole Dak situation. But this seems like it's going to be a high-scoring, entertaining game. But when I look at the line, I'll take the Cardinals because I, I, I just do not trust that Dallas secondary, and they continue to have huge issues on their offensive line. And Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, sounds like they're both done for the year, so they, they do not have a good offensive tackle situation, and that's never where you want to be as an offense. So I'll, I'll take the Cardinals. I'll, I'll lay the one. Typically... You would be correct. If this game was happening next week, you would be correct. But it's happening this week. And Dallas is going to win the game, and I'll tell you why. They've just suffered a catastrophic, season-changing um, ordeal that they've all gone through. Their quarterback went down to a horribly ugly, uh, scary injury, and the backup quarterback has now had to step in. Now, typically you would say, well, why in the world with that happening would you say that they're going to win the game? Because you get a one-week boost. One week where everyone on the team comes together really tight there's a bunch of unity. Everyone says that we lost our guy. We lost Dak. Uh, Dalton's coming in. I'm going to have to be extra on top of all of my stuff. Defensively, 
we've got to have a hell of a week. We cannot afford to, to rely on Dak to go throw us out of this one like he would in the past. We've got to dial it in. Everyone, the janitor, the chef in the cafeteria, Jerry Jones, everyone dials it in. There's going to be a speech before the game. This one's for Dak. And they go out and they win the football game. Now, next week it goes to to shit, okay? (laughs) Next week is horrible. But this week. Next week, disaster. This week, the Dak bump. The Dak bump. You only get one week, and it's going to happen against Arizona. All right. I I love that theory. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. So we're. We're split. We'll see. We <laughs> shall see. All right, Ted, let's move on to everyone's favorite segment, and that is Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And it's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopened in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. And there is no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home if necessary. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available for more information. Visit bmchs.org. So I read an interesting story in the Oklahoman, and it, it, it led me to a weird place, but I, I went down a rabbit hole of Halloween Wars, which is a show on Food Network. I uh, did some research, but that, that, that is relevant. But a guy from Wilson, Oklahoma, named Daniel Miller, was part of the team that won $50,000 wow. on Food Network's Halloween Wars. Uh, little competition. It was pretty cool. I, I, like I said, went down the rabbit hole. Had some fun doing it, but it is absolutely awesome unbelievable what this guy can do to a pumpkin i i know that sounds very weird but it (laughs) halloween's coming up pumpkin carving season is among us and i'm telling you daniel miller from wilson oklahoma can carve with the best of them it is absurd what this guy can do with a pumpkin but in that oklahoman article he's he gave some pumpkin carving tips. And first of all, I wanted to ask Ted, are, are you in the layman clan? Are you pumpkin carving people? I mean, I wouldn't say that we're pumpkin carving people, but every year for sure, we're going to carve at least one pumpkin. Same with me and my wife. We, we carve one. And she's always very pissed off when mine turns out better than hers because she is so much more detailed. And I kind of like stick the stencil on there. And eventually I just like rip it off and I'm like, this is stupid. And I just like do it by hand <laughs> and it ends up looking pretty good. It does. It does. But I, so we do that every year, but then I read these tips that were in this article of this master pumpkin carver. You found out you've been doing it wrong the whole time? I've been doing it all wrong, man. Because, okay, first of all, this one, I'd never thought about it, but he gave four tips in the article. And here they are. Number one, heavier is better. So if you're comparing pumpkins, 
that are similar sizes, our man Daniel Miller, master pumpkin carver, says choose the one that feels heavier because it'll have thicker walls. Hmm. And I guess you don't want to go all the way through, which, well, once again, I... <laughs> who knew like he's talking about different layers and all this stuff and i'm like i'm just like okay thicker heavier better i was Got about it. to Leave say it at that i'm gonna go with the lighter one because it seems like a lot less work <laughs> touche but the, the second piece of advice he had was try to get a pumpkin with a green stem because i yeah. guess that means it's fresher and it will last longer which led me to realize I don't think I've ever seen a pumpkin with a green stem. So have Only, I never seen a fresh pumpkin? I, I actually saw some the other day. I was at Markham's Nursery doing a radio show, and they had an awesome pumpkin display out there. They had all kinds of stuff. It was fantastic, and they had some with green stems. I had well, never seen that. Now you know. That means it's right. fresher, and it's it fresh. will last longer, and that's the one you want to carve. But this is where, this is where I just, uh, I was like, I, uh, I don't understand. Because when I'm looking for a pumpkin to carve, like, I look for the most aesthetically pleasing one. I'm like, I want the round, beautiful, proportional pumpkin. Like, duh, that's how we all think, right? I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one. Are, uh, are you following me here? I'm following you. So we've already carved a pumpkin this year, and there was a, a huge debate between my wife and I, she wanted to carve it on like the, the nice round side. And I wanted to carve it on the ugly flat lopsided side. Well, Teddy, I've got good news for you, my friend, <laughs> because pumpkin carving master Daniel Miller says that if you want to get weird with the things you carve into your pumpkin, don't go for the round pumpkin. Don't go for the pretty one. And I quote, if you want a gnarly one or something, it's better to have a weird-looking pumpkin. So you're right. I guess it's better to carve it on the weird, ugly side. I mean, what? Well, I was just saying, like, it was flatter. Like, you, you want the other part to appear good? Like, cut into the ugly part. Leave the good-looking part. You know, I don't know. It makes know. perfect sense. I, but I always, I always I wanted the full – I always wanted the whole pumpkin to be pretty-looking. I thought – I've been thinking about it all wrong for so many years. I A was embarrassed. A true artist, Gabe, would take something that's oddly shaped and make that shape work for the sculpture. But – if you're just splattering on like the tinsel, then it probably doesn't matter. But which, you know, the first time I saw one of those where you like just put the thing on there and carve it, I was like, that's cheating. Like all I remember from my childhood was my dad taking a steak knife, cutting the triangle eyes in, and then right, right after you'd eaten a ribeye, he <laughs> just right. took the and knife then, and like, stabbed a pumpkin. Then like cutting the jagged teeth in there. So whenever I Saw someone like lay a stencil on there. I was like, that's a great idea, but I feel like that's cheating. So, so it's funny you mentioned that because our, our last tip from pumpkin master carver Daniel Miller is don't get one of the sets with the carving tools and the stencil. Or I guess he didn't say anything about the stencil, but 
He said, don't get the carving sets from like a Walmart or a Target. He said to go get your carving tools from an art supply store and you can ask for clay sculpting tools. Get you some good tools. Get you some good tools. That's key. I like that. I'm not sure I'm going to do that. I'll probably just go with the stupid little set because it's very easy and I'm sure you can order it on Amazon. But it, it made me realize that I don't take my pumpkin carving nearly serious enough. I, I need to step up my game. Step I up really your do. game and help out your local art supply store, Gabe. Come on, man. What's Come wrong on. with me? Been doing, I've been doing it all wrong for so long, <laughs> Teddy. I'm so embarrassed. I don't even I wouldn't even know where to go for an art supply store though. Is Michael's an art supply store? Michael's is still a thing, right? I haven't been to one in Yeah. What about is years, Hobby but... Lobby an art supply store? Yeah, they got they got stuff. They got art supplies. Yeah. I mean those places are huge. All right. Well on that note, that was probably the stupidest keeping it local we've ever done. <laughs> I but liked I, it. I thought it was it was I learned per- something. That's what I th- I was like, you know what? This is kind of fascinating. And I guarantee you, someone's going to listen to that and be like, this is so dumb. And they're going to be out there picking out pumpkins to carve with their family. And they'll be like, no, 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 no. Don't get that round one. Get this one that's ugly. So, because that's what we know is the best. I've got a request for Daniel Miller in Wilson, Oklahoma. We need our cover of our podcast with our two ugly mugs on there. We need that carved into a pumpkin. Daniel Miller. If you can hear us, Wilson, Oklahoma, that's right outside Ardmore, right? Wilson. I think that's right. I I think you're right. But Daniel Miller, please, please help us. That would be so (laughs) Daniel Miller, please don't waste your time with that. But if you want to, if you want take to. him 10 minutes, if you want to feel free. All right, Ted on that note, episode 52 in the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. We will be previewing OUTCU, Oklahoma state, Iowa state. So that should be a good one. Just a reminder. You can hear Teddy from two to six on sports talk, 1400. You can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM big 12 radio channel, three seventy five. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.